Health Digest Health Hotline. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast for our first Health Hotline episode of season four. I have tried to record this now like three times and for some reason I was just like talking 100 miles an hour and had to keep stopping myself and be like slow down girl um so I I took a break I took some deep breaths and now I'm back because I don't know why I was just like literally running off cortisol for a hot second there so anyway ready to do this episode really excited about this one um we are going to continue doing health hotlines in this season. Most of you guys said you really like these and we really like them too because it gives us a chance to just do some deep dives on topics that we are each individually passionate about and just answer some of your questions in kind of like a more one-on-one intimate conversation. I don't know why, but for some reason when I record these episodes, these health hotlines, I feel like I'm having a literal phone conversation with one of you. Um, so, uh, it's kind of fun for us as well to, um, to do this. And so please keep submitting questions. You can DM us on Instagram. You can also go to the link in our bio and submit, um, a voice note, which might sound a little bit intimidating at first, but I don't know about you guys. I love sending voice messages to my friends rather than texting. So, We'd love to hear your beautiful voices as well. You always listen to ours, so we'd like to hear yours too. Um, you can send a little like voice note on the link in our bio on our Instagram, and we can actually like use your little voice recording on our episode and play it back for the rest of our listeners um, before we answer your question. So we think that's a cool little feature. We'd love you guys to utilize it. Um, somebody be the brave someone someone be the sacrificial lamb and do it first because no one has done it yet and we want to hear you guys um so someone do it whoever does it i'll venmo you five dollars <laughs> okay anyway into the episode this is going to be a question directly from a listener who dm'd us um asking for just our kind of like stance on this if we had done any research on this um and her question was super super thoughtful um and very much appreciated so i'm gonna just go ahead and like read her dm it's a little long so bear with me but she said i love your account and i'm very inspired by your lifestyle my question is how does this lifestyle correlate with intersectionality such as topics like climate change and availability for all economic classes for example we, especially people who menstruate, should be eating grass-fed red meat. To make red meat more climate-friendly, it's raised in a sustainable environment and not overproduced. However, by doing this, it makes the meat much more expensive, which in turn makes it much less accessible for people who are in economic distress. Same with fruits and vegetables. Organic and climate-change-friendly food is always going to be more expensive. Is this lifestyle therefore only for the privileged? What can we do to make these healthy choices both climate-friendly and economically viable for all people? I don't have any of the answers, but I was wondering if you've looked into any of this. Thank you and keep up the great work. So first of all, thank you to this listener who submitted this question. Um, This is a very, very important question to be asking and I think something that should be at the forefront of all of our minds as people who are immersed in the health and wellness space to just be like mindful of this and just aware of the fact of like how your messages can sometimes come across. 
I think that this is something that Liv and I have to like consciously remember to think about and acknowledge in pretty much every single episode that we do. Like we totally understand and cannot overlook the fact that a lot of the things that we talk about, the things that we do on a daily basis, the things that we advocate for can sometimes be cost prohibitive to people. Not everyone can afford to buy all organic or to buy pasture raised meat. And that is a real issue that like majority of people are facing and we don't ever want any of our content to come across as like, well, we are privileged, first of all. I'm so grateful to be able to make the purchasing decisions that I do and not have to like decide between eating organic fruits and vegetables and something else, like not having to make that sacrifice. That is privileged and I will 100% say that I recognize that. But we don't, what we don't want is for anyone to feel like because they can't afford something, they just can't be healthy or they can't do anything at all or they can't achieve um, optimal health and feel good. And we want everyone to feel like no matter what your budget is, what resources you have, there's always, always, always something that you can be doing to better your health and to make yourself feel better in a way that works for you. And so we try our best to acknowledge that and to um, make budget-friendly tips and um, just like call out the things that might be a little bit more inaccessible to people and acknowledge those things. Um, But I, I do think that this does deserve a full episode because this is such a systemic issue. This is not an issue that is going to be solved at an individual level. Those budget tips are really helpful, but we have to also recognize that this is a much bigger problem than just ourselves. This is a society-wide problem. Um, And so because of that, it's going to require systemic change. It's going to require long-term change. However, we as people, as citizens, um, as consumers, we have more power than we think. Um, And there is more power in numbers. And when we all come together, and advocate for healthy food and access to healthy food and affordability, um, that is when change starts to happen. Uh, When we all use our voices and we come together and we say, this needs to change. People need access to this stuff. This should not only be for people who are wealthy, et cetera, et cetera. And so I don't want to ever place blame on somebody for not being able to afford certain things because there are barriers that are rooted within our society, within the systems that we live through every single day that prevent people from being able to do these things. So there's a difference between like taking individual responsibility for your health and then being stuck in a system that consistently prevents you from being able to get healthy. Um, So want to make that distinction very, very clear. There are things you can be doing as individuals, but at the end of the day, this is something that's going to require much bigger, much more comprehensive systemic change. So let's go ahead and get into kind of answering this listener's question. There are two kind of categories of barriers to accessing properly sourced food. I'm just going to use the term properly sourced because that covers, you know, organic, that covers grass-fed, that covers pasture-raised. You guys know what we think about properly sourced food. You you guys, if you've listened to us before, you kind of know our definition of that so i'm not going to kind of like go over that again i'm just gonna just group it all into one and call it properly sourced food number one barrier is geographical barrier 
I'm referring to food deserts. So what is a food desert? A food desert is an area where 33% of the population lives more than 20 miles from the nearest supermarket. So this usually means that their closest food access is like a convenience store or a gas station. Ironically, I actually live in a food desert by definition. I thankfully have a car, so I am able to drive into town to a better grocery store and purchase food there. But food deserts are very, very, very real and very much an issue for people who don't have reliable transportation. And if you're living in a rural area, you probably don't have access to public transportation either. So when I say food desert, I'm talking about people who like literally live more than 20 miles from a supermarket and don't have access to reliable transportation. Like their only option for food is a 7-Eleven, is a Chevron, is a Shell gas station. Like that's where they buy their food. That's what I'm speaking of here. Um, So if you've ever been into a convenience store, every single one of you probably has, I just am going to go out on a limb here and say that like you've barely ever seen produce in a convenience store. And if you do see produce, it's always apples, like red delicious apples. That's literally like the only apple variety you ever see in a freaking gas station. Bananas and like maybe some oranges, but it's always, um, number one, never organic. And two, it's always going to be produce that lasts a long time because it has to be transported so far to get to those gas stations and nobody really buys it. So it just kind of sits there. Um, so that's kind of the situation I'm talking about where it's just like, there is no access. And I think that a lot of us need to kind of have a little reality check moment here and just realize how blessed we are to be able to actually have access to fresh, good quality food. So many of us take this for granted. We just walk into the grocery store, we buy it. We do this every single day. So it just kind of goes over our heads. We don't even think about the fact that that is not everyone's reality. And so about 17% of the US population live in these low access areas. That's one in six people, one in six people. Unfortunately, these tend to affect low income areas because large supermarkets, especially natural ones like Whole Foods, Sprouts, natural grocers, they don't see the value in investing somewhere where consumers have variable purchasing power. And what I mean by variable purchasing power is maybe they live paycheck to paycheck. Maybe they don't have a fixed income. Maybe their income is based on how many customers they get that week. Maybe they are on food stamps. So their amount that they have to spend on food varies. That's what I mean by variable purchasing power. And a lot of these large supermarkets like don't see the value in building a grocery store somewhere where they know there's not going to be any profit. I mean, these people can't afford to actually buy this kind of food. So why? Why build one there? Whole Foods is a really good example of this. And I'm not trying to hate on Whole Foods at all because I do love a good Whole Foods haul and a little Whole Foods run. But Whole Foods really does like strike a nerve with me sometimes because they are known for this. They are known to not go into low-income areas to purposely avoid them, to build multiple Whole Foods in very wealthy neighborhoods. So like if you maybe live in Austin, for example, um, there's probably like 10, 12 Whole Foods 
within just the greater Austin area, like so much access to natural grocery stores and they push other grocery stores out. And I, I posted a, um, I put, I reposted a video on my own personal Instagram recently about how Whole Foods has been pushing out like authentic pasture-raised and grass-fed meat farmers because they're paid more to sell the brands that are like big, um, like big, like known to be greenwashing brands that like have a really clean looking label and everything looks so green and environmentally friendly and fresh. Um, but it's really those small, those small little farmers. And it was white oak pastures that I reposted the video from. And it's this farmer who's been doing pasture raised products for like one of the OGs and one of his only customers when he first started was Whole Foods. And now he almost like can't get his products into Whole Foods anymore because all of these bigger companies that have more money and are known for greenwashing are kind of taking over and Whole Foods buys into that because it's profitable. Not saying Whole Foods is the only grocery store who does this, but what I mean is that I personally choose to shop at like my local grocery store. Like I don't, I'll go to Whole Foods every once in a while for some things that I like know that they have there that I'm looking for. But for the most part, I try to support because I live in Texas. So I try to shop at HEB because that's a local Texas grocery store chain. All their like meat and produce comes from Texas farmers. Like I, not all of it, most of it. Um, but I would much rather like my money be going there than to a grocery store chain that is known to basically push out and avoid people who can't afford their food. So little side note, sorry, Liv, I know you're a whole food stan. Um, and probably lots of people are, um, again, love going in there occasionally, but that is just one thing I wanted to note that like, just be aware of what some of these like companies are doing. And one thing that you can easily do is just not shop there. Like go shop somewhere else where you know, your dollar is going towards more of like a local, local community. The second barrier to accessing properly sourced food is economic, obviously. So even if healthy food is readily available, let's say it's five minutes down the road from you, you have a Whole Foods, um, people who are living paycheck to paycheck might opt out because healthy food is often more expensive. I want to talk about why properly sourced food is usually more expensive. So it ultimately comes down to the cost for the farmer. For example, Organic produce doesn't use synthetic pesticides and herbicides. So someone might think like, oh, wouldn't that save the farmer money? Like they don't have to buy synthetic inputs. Well, yes and no, because that might mean that it actually requires more manual labor because they are not spraying synthetic pesticides and herbicides. So they're having to resort to other methods that might require more manual labor to, um, to carry out versus like being able to use machinery and just spray. Grass-fed beef is another example. Grass-fed beef doesn't require the purchasing of feed because the cattle graze on grass. That's basically like, you know, free. But cows that are grass-fed take a lot longer to reach slaughter weight when they're fed only grass. That is one of the reasons why farmers will feed their cattle grain, a grain-fed diet, because they can get them to slaughter weight much, much faster on a grain-fed diet than they can a grass-fed diet. So um, it's kind of like the the better source the food is, like 
the longer it takes for the farmer to do the process from start to finish. And usually that means the longer it takes for them to see a profit. Um, So like regenerative agriculture, for example, is like kind of like the best of the best. And that takes a long time for farmers to transition into. It takes a long time for them to see to see yield increase and takes a long time for them to see profit. Is it worth it in the long run? Absolutely. But if you are a farmer who's trying to put food on your own table and feed your own family, you might be like, "Mm, I can't really invest in that risk. Like I need to see profit now, just like any of us would. I mean, if, if you were offered a job and they basically said, Hey, I can pay you $50,000 a year right now. Um, in two years, I can pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year. And you're like, well, $50,000 is not going to cut it. I can't pay my bills with that. Are you going to wait two years to get paid $100,000? Or are you going to go find another job? He'll pay you that right now. It's kind of like that's like what farmers are kind of of dealing with. And um, we sometimes forget that farmers are still business people. So with that being said, farmers also have the right to charge more for a premium product. If their product is better quality, they should be able to charge more for it. Um, and I think that we sometimes, because it's food, we like expect it to be cheap and it's something that we consume every single day. So we like want it to just be cheap and convenient and whatnot. But like you're going to pay more for a designer bag versus getting the dupe on Amazon for $25. Like it's, it works that way with everything else that we buy in society. So like why is everyone all up in arms about it when it comes to food? That is also bringing me to my next point though, which is obviously people need food to survive. And so there comes a point where it's more of like a corruption thing um, than just like a price point situation. Yes, farmers have the right to charge more for a premium product, but what kinds of things are going on like behind the scenes that are one making it difficult for farmers to be able to farm in this way in a quality way at an affordable price point and for a decent profit and what barriers are still in place that are preventing people from being able to access that type of food and being able to afford that type of food that's kind of where I think this like dm question kind of is pointing towards is like what's going on that's like making this an issue and how do we fix it like we know that the the scale is uneven we know that people who are living in poverty and in low-income neighborhoods don't have access to good healthy food Um, and that's obviously not the farmer's fault so yes you have farmers who are you know charging what their product is worth and that's absolutely wonderful and they absolutely should be doing that but that doesn't change the fact that there are still people who cannot afford this food cannot access it and like good healthy food should be accessible and affordable to everybody that should just be the norm and that's hopefully as a society what we're trying to um what we're trying to reach and i hope that we see that within my lifetime so some solutions let's get to the the things that make people feel good and like they can actually do something about this because I don't want people to just sit there and be like, oh, we're fucked. Um, okay, so solutions. I want to start with systemic level solutions because again, I don't think it's fair to place blame on the individual and just say like, oh, well, 
you should just prioritize healthy eating. You should just budget for it better. You should just give up something else um, so that you can afford healthy food. Like, we don't need to be placing blame on people who are living within a system that is meant to keep them sick and unhealthy. Um, We have to address the system as a whole first. There are things you can be doing as an individual, but without if we don't talk about the things that are keeping people in this cycle and how to change those things then you kind of get nowhere with the conversation so i'm going to start with these systemic level solutions first number one government incentives for farmers to transition to better pharmacy farming practices we need our government to be on board with this this is going to require a lot of advocacy and a lot of money. We basically need our government to be paying farmers to transition to better farms. Why do I keep saying pharmacy? Farming practices. <laughs> um, ways that they can do this is tax breaks for farmers who use climate change friendly practices. Subsidies. Right now, the government subsidizes mainly GMO crops and um, monocrops like soy, corn, wheat, um, those are like main commodity crops because they're used for so many different things. And so the government will subsidize those, um, which is basically just an incentive for farmers to grow them. But why aren't we subsidizing organic produce? Why aren't we subsidizing pasture-raised meat? Like these things can be subsidized too, and it's gonna like take that mindset shift in order for for that to happen. But that's another way that... Um, the government can provide incentives, loan opportunities. Um, maybe there's like a certain loan that you can apply for and be accepted for if you are transitioning to regenerative practices. There are lots of ways that the government could be incentivizing farmers to transition to better practices. It's just really not on their agenda right now. How can we get it on their agenda? Voting. Please, 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 please vote. Please vote. I think a lot of people don't realize that like, you're not just voting for the president. Like I don't know, like I don't know if people are really like understanding how much like power we actually could have if we paid attention to what the frick we're voting for. There is a House Ag Committee in the House of Representatives. Um, there are Congress people who write legislation um, that has to do with farming and with food. You vote for those people. Like, do you know who your state ag committee person is? If you don't, you should probably go find that out, look them up and see what their stance is on a lot of these things. Um, This year especially is going to be a really, really important year because the farm bill expires this year. The farm bill covers a lot of things such as subsidies, which I just talked about. It also covers um, the SNAP program, so food stamps. It covers all the legislation for that. So when you are voting for these people in elections, those are the kinds of things that you are that your vote is going towards. So like read up on those things, know who you're voting for, um, make a point. Like if this is something that you're passionate about, if you're passionate about people having access to healthy food, then like make that, make that something that you pay attention to on the next time you vote on your ballot. Education is obviously another big one. Um, we, we need to be educating people that these better farming techniques are actually more profitable in the long run. They might be more expensive now, but in the long term, 
we'd be reducing emissions, we'd be saving trillions of dollars on climate change mitigation by simply transforming an existing system that we all already depend on and use daily anyway. We all eat food daily. We all depend on food for survival. If we just put our energy towards educating people on the fact that these better farming techniques, like yeah, it might cost you a buck or two or three or four more now to buy those things. But once we transition to those things, do you know how much money we could be saving? Like I'm not even kidding when I say trillions of dollars a year on climate change mitigation. If we just transitioned to better farming practices, it would make that much of a difference because that is how much damage our current agricultural system is doing. So we need to start looking at it as a bigger picture and as a long-term investment. Um, And that's something that we need to be educating people, our friends, our family about. A lot of times I get people who say, like a lot of the, um, the backlash and like the argument between organic and regenerative farmers and like your conventional farmers is like you can't scale it. We can't bring this to scale. It can only be done on a small scale. There's no way we could feed all these people um, with this type of farming system. And that's just simply not true. I got curious about this the other day and I looked it up. Eight out of 10 countries with the least amount of food security are in Europe. So there's a list of like the least, the countries with the least amount of food security. And eight out of 10 of those are in Europe where a lot of this cheap processed shit that we used here is banned. Like this is proof that eating healthy, prioritizing quality and sourcing can in fact be affordable at scale. If you have eight out of 10 countries that have little to no food insecurity and eight out of those 10 countries are in a continent where a lot of this like processed cheap stuff is banned, like they don't have access to those ingredients there, but there's still not food insecurity. So like It can be done. Um, Healthy eating can be affordable at scale in whole countries. Like other countries are doing this. It's not like it's never been done before. Next one is community gardens and food banks. I have been a member of two different community gardens. It's basically like just an open public area where you can go and Sometimes you can like reserve a gardening plot. It's like, let's say maybe you don't have a backyard, but like you want a garden. A lot of community gardens will let you like rent a little community garden plot, but there's also lots of free ones where you don't have to actually rent a plot or like be a gardener there, but you can still go to these community gardens and pick fresh produce. Food banks take a lot of organic produce, leftover organic produce from farm farmer's markets maybe couldn't sell or something like that um and so those are two kind of places that like community gardens and food banks like if you want to like help out at a more systemic level and at a larger level and feel like you're having a little bit more of an impact those are two places where you can either like volunteer donate um like donate seeds to your local community garden um donate fresh produce to your local food bank that kind of thing because they're always in so much need and those are the types of areas that are helping people who typically don't have access to um, these types of food and can't afford them the last one um, for a solution at a systemic level is that businesses with the big bucks need to start supporting and partnering with farmers who are doing it right again because we live in a capitalistic society 
we need these big corporations to be investing in better agriculture, in better farming, in better food in order for it to really take off as a movement. So as a consumer, what you can do is start buying brands that do this. Research brands that continuously support regenerative agriculture, that give money to the cause, advocating for it, either through the products that they make, um, where they're partnering with organic farmers, regenerative farmers, using those types of ingredients, or they are kind of acting more as like a a sponsor or a business partner um, and kind of like contributing to the industry in another way. Now onto the individual level solutions. Here are some kind of like individual level things that you can be doing to um, make organic and properly sourced food more accessible and affordable. So first of all, I'm assuming that most people listening to this have more of an economic barrier than a geographical one. But if you do live in a food desert and it's like a rural area where there's lots of land and probably lots of farming, see if there's a local farmer near you that you can kind of like form a relationship with. Um, a lot of like local neighborhood farmers will give away their leftover produce. Like if they have like a little farm stand or something and not everything sells, um, you could like form a relationship with that farmer and be like, Hey, every Wednesday, like I'll come pick up whatever you don't sell. Um, and they'll probably give it to you for a pretty cheap price. So that's one thing that you can do if you do live in a rural area around a lot of farms and you don't, um, you aren't always able to get to a grocery store or drive into town or whatever. The next thing is if you can afford it, be picky. If you can afford to buy organic produce, to buy pasture-raised meat, and to invest in this cause, and it's important to you and you want to do that, keep doing it. Like the people, those of us who can afford it and can keep doing this need to keep doing it because demand drives supply and the more of us that are doing it the more of us that are demanding it um the faster we're going to see change and see farmers and food companies start to shift towards more properly sourced ingredients the next is and this one i cannot emphasize enough doing something is always 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 better than nothing Even if it means you buy pasture-raised chicken once a month, if that's what it looks like for you, start there. Like, if all you can do is share on your social media accounts, do that. If all you can do is vote, do that. If all you can do is educate your family members, do that. Um, You don't have to do things perfectly to see the benefits. You don't have to buy all organic produce and all properly sourced meat and go all out and do all these things and break the bank just to see health benefits like the the mental even just the mental um thank you that you got from yourself and like that feeling of like oh i did something good for myself i spent a few extra bucks on that pasture raised chicken even just that alone can be so beneficial for your overall health to know that you are doing something you're making a difference you are trying and you are doing the best that you can so something's always better than nothing no matter what it is the next thing is there is organic food available at non-natural grocery stores like walmart for example you'd be surprised at actually how many organic options there are at walmart you just have to look for them so don't assume that just because you're shopping at walmart or you're shopping at Aldi or I don't know what's another grocery store that people typically think is like not healthy 
Mm, I don't know. You guys will get what I'm saying. Don't assume um, that it's not there. You got to look for it. And also don't assume that it's going to be more expensive. Um, you guys should follow Just Ingredients. I'll tag her in the show notes on Instagram. She has a whole series on this where she goes to Walmart specifically and she shows examples of like um, organic ketchup versus non-organic ketchup and the organic was actually cheaper. She has a whole series on her Instagram where she shows you products that are actually cheaper at Walmart um, that are organic. So doesn't always mean that it's going to be more expensive. Sometimes you actually can save by, um, by buying organic. The next is um, just a few of my like personal budget tips that I like to give people. So like, let's say you are trying to buy more properly sourced food, but like you are on a tight budget. Frozen and canned um, produce is always, almost always cheaper. Another person to follow on Instagram, Sophia Rowe. I will also tag her. She is this amazing chef who literally will make recipes from just like frozen and canned food and it's all like organic and good ingredients but it's just frozen instead or canned because that is typically more affordable so don't be afraid of those things i think a lot of people are afraid of those because they think it means that they have less nutritional value but honestly i'd much rather you get a little bit less nutrients from frozen and canned vegetables than buy conventional the next one is to start with the dirty dozen versus the clean 15 list if you're looking for a little place to start on buying organic food you don't want to go all out or you can't go all out um start with the dirty dozen list this is a list that the ewg comes out with every single year where they basically um give a list of the 12 fruits and vegetables that had the highest pesticide residues so just start with those okay i'm gonna buy these 12 things organic everything else i'm gonna just keep conventional for now because i can't afford to buy everything organic so i'm just going to start buying these 12 things organic because they typically have the most pesticides and herbicides the next is start with just one animal product let's say you mostly eat chicken start with buying pasture-raised chicken leave the rest for later the whole kind of theme here is just like you don't have to go full force just start with whatever it is that you commonly consume and do that first buy dry goods in bulk um sprouts has an amazing bulk section um i'm trying to think of other grocery stores that have good bulk sections um costco costco there's lots of things in bulk at costco um i get like all of my like olive oil avocado oil at costco it's so much cheaper to buy like a big ass thing of it and then i just like refill my like little bottle as needed i save so much money getting good quality oils there um and if you can like if you have maybe a big family you have kids and you can buy fresh um, food in bulk, totally do it. But just be mindful with bulk um, that you don't want to create extra food waste. So like only buy things in bulk that you know you can consume or that are shelf stable. Dry goods, that's why I said dry goods. Buy those in bulk to save a little bit money on, on organic Thrive Market. Utilize Thrive Market. They have the best, the best prices on organic food. Definitely Thrive Market membership is worth it. I think it's like five bucks a month. I save so much money buying like all of my baked goods on there um, and everything is really, really well sourced and you can even like check a box as you're searching for like minimal ingredients or organic or whatever your qualifications are that you're looking for. The next thing is if you cannot buy organic produce, like you just simply cannot afford it, wash your produce in filtered water 
and baking soda. Alkaline water is best because it's super strong and can remove um, a lot of that pesticide residue, but do not wash your produce with tap water. We can't have anything nice these days. We just simply can't have anything nice because our tap water is also disgusting, filled with lots of chemicals and toxins. Um, so if you're washing your produce with tap water, it's probably not really doing much for you. I would recommend washing your produce with filtered water if you can um, and baking soda, which will help remove that pesticide and herbicide residue. Um, the next one, actually, this is the last one. Look into like little growing hacks to save you some money. Um, green onions and romaine lettuce are two really easy ones. I actually have some green onions right now growing in my kitchen. So I bought organic green onions. I use them all down to like the little white part. And then you just stick the bulbs in a little dish of water and they'll regrow. Like you can literally just keep regrowing your own organic green onions only have to buy them once, you know, you'll have to buy them again eventually once the, once the bulbs go bad, but, um, you'll at least get a couple growths out of them. Same with romaine lettuce and anything that has like a, like a root base. Um, you can just like look up these hacks on like TikTok or YouTube, Instagram, whatever, and like regrow some things. So you don't have to continuously keep buying those items. So those are just a few of my little like budget hacks, um, things to make eating organic, properly sourced food a little bit more affordable. But yeah, I hope that was helpful. I definitely like when this, um, when this listener sent me this DM, I was like, oh, I love this question. It's such a good question. It's such an important topic, but I struggle sometimes too with like kind of like imposter syndrome where I'm like, I know a lot about this, but I don't always feel super qualified to talk about it. Or like, I don't always feel like I have like the perfect answer or the right solutions or like the power to like do anything about it sometimes. And, um, with issues like this that are very systemic and are very comprehensive and affect whole societies, it does sometimes feel like, you know, what am I like, what can I really do? But that is something else that's huge about this is that we have to shift our mindset and start to realize that if all of us think that way, then of course nothing is going to get done and nothing's going to change. But if all of us think the other way and think, oh, like my one little contribution, me buying this one pasture raised pound of ground beef per month, like is, is making a difference. Start telling yourself that start affirming that. And every time you buy something, um, that you know is better for you, that you know is better for the environment, and that you know is advocating for good farming practices, give yourself a little pat on the back and say, you know what? I did that. I spent that extra $5 on that instead of my Starbucks coffee this morning. Like literally just start to thank yourself, tell yourself that you are making a difference and have a little bit of that mindset shift because the more of us that think that way, the faster we will see long lasting and wholesome change. So thank you again to this listener for sending us in this DM. Please feel free to reach out to me if you have any other questions or you want some more resources on this topic. I've got lots of like documentaries I've watched, books I've read, um, just like very knowledgeable people in this field that I follow um, who are also great resources. So if this interests you, if you want to learn more about it, feel free to reach out to me. Um, And yeah. We will see you guys next week. Tune in for next week's episode with me and Liv. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves. 
you are doing the best that you can.